because I miss baseball, and it already seems like it's been forever since we've had it, just as it feels like it'll be forever until we have it again, what I miss the most about the 2020 Pirates, and please hold your laughter, I'm, I'm trying to be serious here, is Derek Shelton. This is a this is a guy who's got quite some potential in our city, and I'm positive that he did not have the chance to show that this past season. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is DK Sports Radio, which you can find on any and all podcasting platforms by just searching DK Sports. And from there, please set us to auto-downloads. Makes a big difference for this little business, which, by the way, is doing pretty well, happy to say. Derek Shelton, I guess the best thing that I could say about him, because I, 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 I got to know him way more than I usually get to know managers and coaches, and I'll, I'll keep that between us as to why. But I got to see him on and off the field, uh, more off the field than on, and I got to see how he is uh, with his family, how he is as a, as a father, as a husband, what kind of person he is. I also got to hear from people around the Pirates' world, the Pirates' own extended family, alumni, uh, former managers, former players, who he reached out to for advice, for friendly baseball banter. Uh, Jim Leland is one of those people who was having regular conversations with Derek Shelton. Steve Blass is another. There's an attempt made by Shelton, which I'll repeat was going to be so, so hard in a coronavirus setting, to try to put himself into harmony with what's always been best about the Pirates, not to get caught up in all the stuff that people like me and you focus on day to day and, you know, whether it's, Davidis Nevarowskis today or the 20-year losing streak yesterday or the fact that they haven't won a World Series since Omar Marino caught that fly ball that teaked through the pitch on down in Baltimore. Uh, or, of course, the, you know, the Bob Nutting and payroll stuff that dominates local discussion. He wanted to make an attempt to try to learn what was best about the Pirates. And understand, this is someone who uh, spent a lot of time in the Minnesota system where the Twins take that sort of thing very, very seriously. Uh, if you followed baseball even peripherally in your life, you've heard of the Twins' way. Uh, for a team that hasn't exactly dominated uh, World Series trophies over the years, uh, they've commanded so much respect for how they conduct themselves at all all levels of the game. The Cardinals ended up creating the Cardinals way, but it was really patterned after the Twins way. And then 
late in the Neil Huntington tenure, I started to hear people in the Pirates organization use terms like the Pirates way and uh, the Pirates way of doing things and the Pirates culture and whatever, which was ridiculous under those guys that they'd even try something like that. It would be nothing other than semantics. But with the Twins, it was real, and Shelton came up through that uh, in the managing, in the coaching ranks, in the instructional ranks. And I know for a fact that it was very important to him to try to learn as much as he could to embed himself into the community. A lot of you won't have seen these things, but uh, maybe you have, too, when Shelton would do these Zoom calls with the reporters or sometimes on AT&T Sportsnet, he would open the show up. It's not a show, but press conference. Uh, when it's on TV, it's a show, I guess. He would open it up wearing a T-shirt of some local foundation or local cause that he wants to draw attention to, that he's committed to. Now, can some of that come across as feeling a little, you know, a little forced or whatever? I guess if you're a cynic, sure, you know. The fact of the matter is he doesn't have to do any of that stuff. He just doesn't. He's a baseball manager. If he showed up every day at PNC Park and just did nothing other than immerse himself in baseball and making the Pirates better and ultimately winning games, I don't know that there would be that many people who would judge him by whether or not he has conversations with former buckos or whether or not he's helping out a certain charity or cause. He doesn't have to do that. What I learned about Shelton is that he wants to do it because he does feel it's part of the role as opposed to part of the job. Do you see what I'm saying? A little, it's a little different there the way that gets distinguished. He wants to be a manager that people look up to for all the right reasons, including the baseball reasons, but also the ones off the field. If, as I'm telling you any of this, Clint Hurdle comes to mind, he should. He should. I know things didn't end well for Clint here. Some of that was legitimately on him. Most of it wasn't. Trust me on that. He took the fall for a lot of stupidity that happened over his head. But we're talking about a good, good man who did things in the Pittsburgh community from his heart. And yes, Shelton also would reach out to hurdle. I'm not suggesting any of this stuff undoes 19 and 41, and I'm not suggesting he didn't have his shortcomings as a manager. My goodness, nobody ripped him early in the season more vociferously than I did. Uh, he was doing some things out there that would just blow my mind at times. But as the season went on, I saw more assertiveness, more confidence, uh, and not coincidentally, you know, better play on the part of his players. That part of his character, though, that part of his personality is something I wanted to share with you today. When we come back, I'll be joined by Noah Hiles. 
back. I'm joined here in studio now by Noah Hiles, who covers the Pirates, also covers Duquesne basketball, and does a whole ton of podcasting for us as well. Hi, Noah. How's it going, boss? It's it's going okay right up until you call me boss. But you, you don't like what? when I call you boss? See, that's just see, you just did it again. I was asking. <laughs> I won't do it anymore. Just for that, I'm going to hand you. And this is not scripted. You don't know what I'm about to ask you. The hardest question you've ever been asked with a microphone in front of you. You ready? Okay. Paint for me the scenario in which Bob Nutting is loved in this town. Oh, boy. Okay. Oh, oh, oh. Can't cheat and say he sold the franchise. Team. Okay. I was Can't gonna cheat. Be That's cheating. Answer. That's cheating. Okay. Well, but the scenario where Bob Nutting is loved is I think a they have to win that they have to be a consistent. They did that. I mean, a consistent winner and and three years build, in a row to build upon that. All right. You, in order for them to win, they're going to have to make a couple free agent signings like they did with Burnett and Martin. They're going to have to build a farm system. They're going to have to call up big prospects. They're going to have to have that star, that Andrew McCutcheon. And for Bob Nutting to become loved, they're going to have to re-sign that guy. They're going to have to have. Wait, you mean like they re-signed McCutcheon? I'm saying. That guy you is, mean like they re-signed McCutcheon? They extended McCutcheon Don't perpetuate before false he was narratives. a star. Before he was a star. That's when you do it. And I get that. And they signed and that him was, that was not into the his wrong free move. agency years. That was not the wrong All move. Right. But what I'm here to tell you is people in this town, as far as Pirates fans go, they want a Sidney Crosby. They want a Ben Roethlisberger. They want a superstar who's going to play for the Pirates th- his entire career. Even if it's the wrong move necessarily, I think if there's a guy, I mean, winning a championship obviously is going to have to play a part of that as well. But for Bob Nutting to be loved, there needs to be a guy like the two other names I mentioned where he comes up, they gravitate toward them. They follow him up with his success in the cast around him, and they win championships. And even if they don't win championships, they win divisions. They make playoff runs. They're competitive. They show a change in their ways. And then after they get that first contract extension, which they have done not just with McCutcheon but other people, you give them that second deal. That, I mean, Jason Kendall still has the biggest deal in franchise history. Ten years, $60 million. Jason Kendall. You know how old I was when Jason Kendall was traded? I was in third grade. I was crying at Seven Springs when it happened. Well, there fourth was a grade. bunch of guys at that time. There was Kevin Young that was signed. Pat Mears was signed. Yeah. Uh, and these were all bad signings. And I get so that. Th- these get held up like virtuous occasions, and they, they were no such thing. No, and but what I'm saying is giving that second extension to a superstar will mean a lot to someone in this town, someone who can grow up and watch. Like, I grew up, you know, as a kid, as a Ben Roethlisberger and Crosby fan, and I'm still getting to watch mm-hmm. them and now cover them as an adult. The Pirates need that guy. So they the stepped can... up and they signed Andrew McCutcheon into his free agency years. They did that with Starling Marte. They did that with Gregory Polanco. That's one deal, though. That's an extension early on. I'm saying offering a second extension. And then well, what if it's not worth it? Okay. Well, they and they I did. That I mean, just... you want to give Felipe Vasquez another extension too? No, but and, <laughs> okay. I, and I said that's all part of the scenario, though. Like, I mean, the easy answer. So is that's winning. it. You're saying you saying nothing becomes loved by a second extension, and if it's on top of winning. Uh, yeah. Okay. Keeping keeping the same guys. Around. I don't think it would happen. I think you'd still have a payroll that would be around a hundred. 110 range. It would be around the Milwaukee-Cincinnati range, and everyone would still call him a cheapskate and everything else. I mean, in my defense, you said this was going to be the hardest question. It was the hardest question, but (laughs) see, I actually happen to have the correct answer. All right, what is it? He's flying a passenger jet 
out of LaGuardia. It runs into this flock of geese, and he has to make a hard left over the Hudson. He lands this baby on the water. The plane is filled with nothing but infant impoverished children. Before he disembarks all of these babies off the plane, he teaches them how to cure coronavirus. Yeah. There, how's that? I, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of the movie Sully, so that would, but I mean, he <laughs> even was in love. You got to remember, people were saying he did that on purpose, so he, I don't even know if Nutting could get away with that See one. what I mean? Yeah. See what I mean? It was a Nutting plot yeah. that he hatched. What was he doing with all those babies on board? <laughs> if he had this coronavirus vaccine, why was he holding it back on us? You know? I mean, hey, I mean, if Nutting did have the cure, coronavirus cure, you think he would probably, you know— Traded away a couple uh, to like Russia or somewhere else for, you know, a cure for like much smaller diseases. And In all seriousness, what what Bob would have to do is Bob would have to elevate payroll to an irrational level, and I don't think that's ever going to be possible here without a salary cap. And by that, I'm referring to, you know, St. Louis, which punches way above its weight. And to build upon that. Elevating payroll and establishing, I think a lot of Pirates fans feel like Bob Nutting does not care about them. The other two owners in town, I mean, Mario is obviously, he's visible for a number of reasons. We, I, everyone in Pittsburgh watched him play, and he's a hero in that aspect. But the Roonies are visible. They're doing things. Bob Nutting doesn't have but, that. But he actually does do those things. It's just nobody cares, you know. He, I mean, he's done so much honest from the soul charity work. I know the man, okay. Yeah. And there's a lot of flaws that he has as an owner. But doing things for the community certainly isn't one of them. Uh, the, the stuff in particular that he really has his heart set on is the Miracle League fields that he's made for, for uh, young handicapped uh, children uh, to be able to play baseball on a, on a, you know, a special surface so they don't get hurt. Um, a lot of times, Noah, he does these things and actually tells the Pirates PR people not to come because he doesn't want to turn it into a kind of a show. He just wants to have see the families enjoy the moment. Uh, but again, marketing won't do it either. Yeah, and I didn't mean like no, no, no. I knew what stuff. you meant. I just yeah, meant like no, fan I, uh, outreach. Stuff. Perception is reality. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the fact that he blew off Pirate Fest how many years in a row now? Yeah. Okay, these are the kinds of things that are strikes against him that he's not always aware of. Uh, but, yeah, whatever. Uh, thanks for being on, Noah. Happy to be on. <laughs> when we come back, just one question. Point Park University, in the heart of downtown Pittsburgh, they understand there's no substitute for real-world experience and career-building connections. Their innovative curriculum engages students with distinctive experiential learning opportunities. Point Park's pioneering co-op program empowers qualified students to work in full-time, paid positions with their corporate partners while earning college credits. Visit pointpark.edu works to learn more. Career ready. That's the point. Point Park University. Your front door, your car, your gym locker, your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure. Visit projectchildsafe.org. Welcome back. It's time for Just One Question. That's brought to you by our friends at Mike's Beer Bar. This one comes from Jeff Hausman. He asks... Did the National League figure out Brian Reynolds? 
this year, or will we see 2019 from him next season? And if it's the latter, why should we be optimistic? Jeff, I've posited the notion that there was not a greater single disappointment in all of Pittsburgh sports in 2020 than Reynolds as an individual. And I'm trying to use the term disappointment in its most appropriate way, meaning you expect it to be here and it ends up way down here. I was not 100% sold on Kevin Newman after his rookie year. I'd also seen points where he had struggled, and then Newman put up most of his numbers, if you'll recall, in 2019 later on. He came on really, really strong, whereas Reynolds, uh, he faded a little, but, man, the consistency. He would just go forever without uh, a hitless game, and it was against all kinds of pitching from both sides of the plate for power, for, uh, for production, uh, for, for runs. There's just nothing that he wasn't doing out there. And it, he wasn't the kind of player that you looked at and thought, you know what, it's just a matter of time until they find his hole, until they figure him out. And then, yeah, I, 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 I remain speechless. The best answer the best explanation that I was able to get from anybody associated with the Pirates came late in the season. And I'm not going to give you the name of the individual that gave this to me, but it's someone that I, that I trust a lot to analyze this sort of thing. They felt that it was mostly mental. Uh, they felt that Reynolds had dug himself a hole early on and it was a hole that he had not experienced as a pro. And when I say pro, I'm not talking about the majors. I'm talking about as a pro since he was paid to play baseball. He'd never gone through a rut like he did in that first month. And once he got through that month, meaning August, of course, the math hits you in the face you're not going to escape that hole. You can look at the number of games remaining. You can even wonder whether or not you're going to keep your job when you're hitting the way he was at uh, 150, 160, just insanely low numbers. And this person felt like Reynolds' season just kind of collapsed on him in that sense, like he knew he wasn't going to have time to really bounce back, that his 2020 was going to be a disaster, even if he finished with some superstar-type week. In fairness, Reynolds did hit a little bit better uh, in September, especially in the last couple of weeks. There were more signs of the 2019 Reynolds. I remain a steadfast believer in Brian Reynolds. There is no way our eyes, let alone the analytics, fooled us from what we saw of him. Does that mean he's going to be Tony Gwynn like he looked in 2019? No, but he doesn't have to be. He doesn't need to hit 330 with pop. All he needs to do is 
you know, be a good, reliable, everyday left fielder, and he's he's good defensively, obviously really good with the arm, the way he was throwing people out in 2020, easily the best part of his game. But I'll take him if he's a guy that's got a, a, an OBP around 400 and OPS uh, around 800 and change. Uh, he's eminently capable of that, and I, I think he can be quite the asset still for the Pirates, but... Yeah, man. It was rough. It was rough. Thanks for the question, and thanks to everyone for listening today.